Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. If you are hunting for a great B2B e-commerce company that offers quick and dependable online marketplace business solutions to improve consumer experience, pay close attention as I am about to tell you my favorite one. Suppose you aim to connect and upgrade your level of technological interaction both for yourself, your business, and your consumers. In that case, I think now is the right time for you to head on over to a B2B e-commerce company with advancement on platforms that will give you real-time quality services. I'm talking about O Banana Corp. Because both of you share the same goal. You can expect to have a successful result and a long-term run. So if you and your business are ready to step up to a bigger space, come and sign up and be one of Obanana's merchant partners. Hello? Hello? <clears throat> Podcast Network Asia. Network Asia. When you do something like this, it's a leap of faith. But any leap of faith is supported by, you know, by having a plan, by you know making sure that you know that you have faith in yourself, and and having a great network, having people that that will support you, uh, because you're only as good as the people around you. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning to wherever you are listening in from from around the world, and welcome to my podcast, the RJ Ledesma Podcast. In the RJ Ledesma podcast, I interview the country's pioneering business personalities and entrepreneurs to learn more about how they think about their business, what are their success secrets, and can we hack them? How have they innovated their businesses during this pandemic? And more importantly, what opportunities do they see emerging during this period of the new normal and the next normal? Now, is there a business personality or entrepreneur that you would like me to interview here on the podcast, please do let me know. Drop me a message. We are also live right now on Kumu, CBRC TV, Global Pinas TV, and the Bounce Back Network. Now, here's a little confession I want to make. I'm actually a very rabid comic book fan. I've been collecting for a very, very long time. My room, much of my uh, young adult salary went into investing in my comic book collection, much to the dismay of my wife who's listening to me here right now. My kids will eventually inherit my, what I call my glorious comic book collection. So comic books, big, big part of my life. And aside from that one, I've always been an aspiring comic book creator. I've wanted to, well, I'm, not, I'm, I'm a fairly okay artist, nothing great. But you know what? I wanted to be a comic book writer. And, you know, I've done writing workshops. I did the UP National Writers Workshop. I did the Silliman Writers Workshop. But those were rather for uh, fiction and creative nonfiction with the ultimate goal eventually to write a comic one of these days. But you know what? I, then I stumbled across uh, Comic Book Lab. And what Comic Book Lab is that they help you create your own comic book. 
So the next guy coming up, I'm very happy to interview him because he is somebody who's actually le- like living out my dream for me. Uh, but but more than that one, I want to find out how, how he is able to marry both something that he loves and make it profitable or make it, you know, how does he merge both his personal and professional uh, goals in life into his business. So I'll be interviewing JV Tanwatko, who is the publisher of Comic Book Lab. He actually founded Comic Book Lab back in 2015. And he says that it is a comic book company that is modeled after a BPO or a business process outsourcing business model. And I want to find out a bit more about that one. And Comic Book Lab has published a variety of comic books, which have been commissioned by both personal and corporate clients. Aside from discussing with us about Comic Book Lab, I also want to find out how is his business doing amidst all of this digital transformation and amidst this pandemic. So please welcome to the show, JV Tanwatko. JV, welcome to the uh, RJ Ledesma podcast. Thanks for joining us, man. Oh, it's great to be here, RJ. Thanks so much. Really happy to have you here. And you know, earlier on, before we talked, uh, this is the interesting thing, you know, JV, if you don't mind, JV is actually married to my, my third cousin, Tata, and I say hi to Tata here right now, who's behind <laughs> the scenes watching. Tata, say hi naman there. Project your voice, say hi. And <laughs> there you go. Uh, now, and you know, JV and I, you know, we, we, we work in uh, common geek circles, right? The comic book geek circle. But I found out that, you know, many, many years ago, we used to have a video rental store. And he, he came to my house one of those days and he saw me. Um, tell their story, JV. Very interesting. I just found out about it uh, before we talked. Yeah. Um, so it was basically that uh, we would be sent somewhere to like uh, do painting, uh, painting lessons. And I was like, oh, and you know, I was like, I was like, what? I was like, probably like seven or something like that. And we went inside your house and uh, we went through your, um, well, your lanai uh, and it was open air. And then I saw, I could have sort of, I saw you and someone was teaching you how to draw Doctor Strange. Okay. It was a really, it was full blown. And I was like, like, oh my God, is that what I'm going to do here? Is that what I'm going to do? <laughs> and then like my mom said, and my, my mom was there and she's like, no, 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 no. You're going to paint first. And then what? And then I'm going to do comics? No, no, but you'll get there. You'll get there. So like, okay, fine. I'll do it. I'll do, I'll do the painting. The comic stuff never happened. <laughs> but and, anyway. Yeah. And anyway, you know, um, still uh, uh, 40 plus tasteful years later, we're still here in love with comic books. And, and you, you've turned your love of comic books and brought it to another level. So can you please, like in a nutshell, explain uh, what comic book lab is all about because i guess in people's minds they have like you know marvel comics dc comics and then comic book lab what exactly is that are you, is that a, a place that creates its own characters or you, you're putting up your own company what, what is comic book lab i think to put it as simply as possible we are a comic book content provider for clients so we supply it we su- we create the characters we come up with the story concepts if we have to but it's all for clients' communication strategies, whether it be for education, marketing, for entertainment. That's what we do. Okay, so you're more of like um, you are outsourced or you're, you do uh, commissioned work. Is that right? Yes. Yes. And, and, and primarily, that's the business that you do commissioned work. Yeah. I have done with some, with some individuals. I've gone to the agreement where we have a, you know, we co-own specific titles, especially because it's passion projects. So there I'm like really involved. I'm like actually not just coming, uh, I'm not just coming up with concepts. I'm writing the scripts for them. So the clients have an idea, have the, have the story idea. 
but because they don't have the bandwidth, they decide, okay, JV, you can ha- you handle this end, and then ch- select the artist, select the letter, the colorist, the printer, everything, you know, from concept all the way to to printing. Okay, um, you know, usually when when I talk uh, here on the RG Latest, the Desmo podcast, just by default. Uh, and because I'm involved in the tech startup industry, we often talk about two things, right? When you talk about startup, it's the idea that number one, you know, it's tech-enabled. Uh, number two, it's scalable, right? You know, there's a way to scale it using technology. And number three, they're always looking for investors to grow the business, I guess, no? Uh, where they're looking for Series A, Series B investors. But what's your take? How, how do you see Comic Book Lab as a business? It's a business that that grows I hope I understand because that's still my my you know my my framework of mind. You know how how do you grow this business and what's the business model behind it? Okay, just to um, I have to like go back in time a little bit more when uh, back when I was in uh, in AIM because my thesis at the time was to to how to um, to create a comp a comic publishing business a company and it wasn't really that good a thesis. But bottom line is. Um, you would have to spend like maybe a few billion, a few million, just to to create the to create the everything from marketing, the publishing, the distribution. And when I decided to do Comic Book Lab, I was like, originally my plan was, oh, I'll be a freelance writer. I'll just like um, I'll create material, and then hopefully I'll just like you know someone from pub from Marvel or DC will notice me, and. But I realized, no, that, that's not sustainable at all. Um, you know, it's basically if you look at you know the, the, success, the success stories are really like like Trece, Tabipo. It took them a while. They you know they built a following. And where I was coming from was uh, it was 2014, and I realized I can't wait that long. I need to find a way to monetize this. So that's why I decided. I don't have an idea exactly of the of what the mark how big the market is. So let's you know let's tackle the immediate uh, you know immediate need, how to monetize it, and that's where I started from, which is sim- as simple as let's find clients who need the service. And I started with social media, it was very grassroots. I went through Facebook to just to promote it, and then what we did after that we went to con- we went to Comic Con Comic App to promote the books. And there, and hopefully, and I put in a big, I put an ad in the back saying, you, you know, would you like to create a comic book? Please contact me. And I gave my social media, uh, my contact details there. It started really grassroots. So the the business model here really is is uh, if it's work for hire, they pay basically for work for hire without any without any royalty attached to this one. So when you finish the project, that's basically how the business yes. is like. Is that's how the business is like. Yes, in some arrangements there are there were co you know there's co um, there's a co-creator um, ownership there's that but in most cases for specifically for when I started doing corporate comics when I started doing comics for clients in in big companies like um, uh, Sun Life Manulife those are really all theirs what we develop for them is theirs already it's their property. So we were looking at that uh, at that first aspect. That's the business model of how it works, right? And then you know, given given today's technology, given the digital transformation ha- happening today, you know, one of the biggest. I mean, since we both look at the U.S. as as a model, I guess, you know, of where people take intellectual property when it comes to comic books, you no, know, is that eventually the 
number one is the medium that's being used right now. You're competing. I mean, comic books right now is competing against other. I mean, during our time, I mean, comic books was there because you know there was video games were there, TV was there, but it was almost just as a legitimate entertainment medium as before. But now there are more engaging ones like video games, o- online games, and all these different things. How are comic books right now faring? Especially, how do you view them? Your your material pairing with with all these different competing uh, mediums for comic books. Yeah, that's always going to be a challenge. It's always whenever I'm like approaching a, a new client, uh, and they're still trying to get around the idea of like, wait, why would I use comics? Why not use TV? Why not use YouTube? What I always tell uh, clients is that it's the type of engagement. Okay, uh, with a comic. It's more active. When someone looks at a comic, your brain is already thinking from panel to panel. Your your mind is taking le- uh, taking a leap. Okay, versus TV or YouTube, it's very passive. It's very passive. It's like well, you know, you you tend to zone out. The tendency is to don't not to you know because not to um, throw shade at TV or anything, but it's just um, it's more of a passive you know, reception. So that's what I always say, and it's because, and it's also another thing is I always like to point out is that when you're doing a comic, it the message is key, what your intention is key, okay? Because our clients are always about all the about the awareness. It's about education. So when we doing when we do when we focus on education, it already takes out a lot of things. You it, you already take out video games. You already take out um you know certain types of vid, you know certain types of ads. Because comics is, if you know RJ, comics are very, it's very intimate. Um, it's the the relationship in a comic is very strong, and you get more of an emotional resonance. It's very personal. I feel. That's right. Oftentimes, there's a, a very popular writer. His name is Warren Ellis. For for those who read comic books, they know exactly what that is, no? But then Warren Ellis used to write a series of columns called "Come In Alone," which means that that's really how you enjoy. That's how you enjoy a comic book that you literally come in alone and read it. But then it's a personal experience because you read it alone. But at the same time, it's a shared experience because somebody who's read the same thing and had that same experience of you reading that comic book goes, "Wow, you read that story? That was crazy, wasn't it?" I mean, that then then you sort of relate to that person uh, coming from that story. Now, right. having said that, now the, the other thing that I wanted to ask. Okay, so we know that you know. It's a very it's a very personalized or experience where the mind has to fill in the gaps. That's often what uh, Scott McCloud used to say, right? The, the guy who wrote exactly. Understanding Comic Books. That's why the panels were there because it was your responsibility as the reader to fill in the gaps in between in between the panels. But aside from that one, no. Um, the other thing is that what is the I I, I guess no, and I don't know if this sounds this sounds like it can be done here, but what's the scalable business model for what you're doing? Because I I see it just two ways. I mean. When you talk scalable, it means either that you know you're able to produce X amount of material, right? Where it becomes right. a bit more, I guess, interactive. I mean, and that's where technology, I guess, plays a part of it. Right. Or the other scalable part is that as an intellectual property that you're able to say, okay, this is my intellectual property for a character. Let's say, for example, Trese, right? In Trese, and, and budget was able to make sure that okay, uh, the the scalability for this one was to transform to put it into other mediums where they could mm-hmm. be. Or like in the U.S., it's like you know they're not really making money from the comic books anymore. They're making money from the merchandising, from the from the movies, from the from the I guess from the 
from the t-shirts from the candies so yeah. what's the what's the what's the i guess the scalability that you think is going to be present for something like a comic book lab the way i see it right now is that for example i'm right i'm right now a one man show um i have collaborators they are um, a lot of them are, are project based but they're consistently part of the part of my projects they're artists they're writers and i all and they're always guys that you know we already have a shorthand we you know we collaborate well together but i'm basically the project manager over overseeing i right now i'm overseeing like uh, roughly 9 to 10 projects okay and the some you know when things start to get bigger the way i see it is that i'm going to be hiring other pro- training training pro- new project managers to the point that they'll be handling 10 projects each and then 10 i have 10 then i have 10 project managers and then i'm overseeing them so hopefully that's how that's the way i, I envision it 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 gets to that level that you know will be will will be like an agency na talaga will be an like agency. an more like an agency model so it's like, like a, a, yes i see so it's an agency model that, that we're gunning for over here yeah uh, with a specific skill set towards developing comic books right and to add to that my my advocacy really is is to to make artists employ you know to make them partners or either you know or to give them or to have them have a solid job you know be employees right now they work from project to project mm-hmm. i'd rather you know, they have you know i'd rather they have um, you know employment uh, employment benefits i want them to have you know health insurance you know so they don't have to be worrying about where is my next paycheck so that's also where i want to go where it's going to be there's a you know a set of artists that do this you know a listers and writers as well and of course you know letters colors everyone you know fully employed because that's the thing right now everyone right now is just you know looking for projects i'm just curious right now as as i as i speak to you, you know you said you've got about 10 ongoing projects uh, if you look at the profile of your projects what percentage is corporate work and what percentage of that is is passion work oh i would say right now 70 to 80% are uh, corporate and then the rest are like passion stuff and when you talk about corporate what what is the profile of the corporate work that they do are, is it is like i'm guessing these are like infotainment or edutainment type comic books about their products or services is that right well for example like well, we did stuff for unicef and uh, they asked us to do come up with um comics that would come with that would um, be part of the donations uh the comics would, um were we did them last year and they taught um people about covid protocols uh some of them were also about you know rules about like uh, against uh, awareness about domestic abuse because a lot of you know families are all under quarantine so of course that has led to a higher rate of domestic abuse so we've done some of that and then we also did like uh tips on like some if someone has um has covid if your kapitbahay has, has covid what to do in that situation so yeah it's more about awareness than anything but we've also done um guides we've done guides we did for sun life we created social media comics where they, they the scripts were designed to teach the sales force to adapt to the digital because uh, sun life is moving more into um into digital in, instead of like uh, paper uh, paper applications okay 
I understand that one. I, when, I, when I think about these projects, these are work for hire. You said they're passion projects. So presumably, these are your own, create their own stories. Either either you produce it yourself or you co-create with somebody else. So it's your, it's sort of like your intellectual property for that one. Yes. That's being, since it's your intellectual property, that's my guess is that that's the other scalable part or that's the other yes. part where hopefully you get, where you get something because, uh, you know, we need to help people understand that, you know, there's many ways to get into the picture. There's commission right. work where you can, it's sort of like regu- hopefully regular work coming out. And there's your passion work or create your own work where you're able to create your own characters, create your own stories. And hopefully uh, that one is picked up and, and you know, that story grows or somebody else wants to license the story or the characters. Tell me how that's going on for you. Is that is that a viable business model or it's, it's, it's too, um, it's, it's not sustainable or it's not something that, that that's going to be very scalable because... In my mind right now, the, the biggest one right now is, is budgets, uh, of course, Trese. But yes. it took Trese 10 years to get off the ground. And when they were doing that, you know, when they were doing that, they were, you know, that was like their hustle job, right? It was just their passion project. It wasn't their yeah. main project. And, you know, it wasn't paying the bills. It took them 10 years to get it all the way to Netflix. So how do you see them on these, these passion projects? Oh, okay. So it's like basically um, for those type of projects, they're my research and development project. It's really okay. They uh, part uh, per, a percentage of um, the revenues that come from the corporate feed into my passion projects. Ah, so so, it's, so your pa- your your corporate <laughs> uh, subsidizes your passion, which yes. which I can uh, which I can appreciate because many of us do that as well. Like for example, when I was doing my 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 other job, hosting work sometimes subsidizes my my other businesses, which are still uh, nascent, right? They're still trying to yeah. get some traction. Okay, yeah. Keep, keep so, going, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so for example, like, okay, we're doing, um, uh, right now, I'm doing a passion project called, uh, this is mine, completely mine. It's called I Am Wildcard. I don't know if it's clear. This is with um, with Roy Allen Martinez. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. yeah. We used so, to do Stone, right? Yeah. Uh, back, in the, back in the 90s with Silla, with Silla Wilsford Tasho. So we, together, I told them, hey, um, I have this idea for a comic. And we, uh, I just want to know if you're, uh, you know, involved, and because it will be, we'll be co-creators, we'll be co-owner, we'll be co-owners of the project. But um, right now, I want to like first, you know, save a little, you know, save a little more, allocate more funds to it. But let's put a teaser out. So I put a teaser out earlier this year, just to, for you know, and and I'm just grateful that Roy liked the concept. It's basically about this um, super, um, this super being that comes in and she, you know, when she first appears. She kills millions of people, and the next time she appears, she saves thousands of people. So everyone, all the heroes, are waiting for what happens if she comes back and how, uh, what to do when she does. So, wow. yeah, intriguing idea. Um, I'm just curious right now, who is the market right now for these type of Philippine comic books, which are, you know, to my mind, these are the Western influenced storytelling type. No, I mean, um. Basically, what I've seen from local comic books. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. 
like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's either that they're influenced by Western comic, Western storytelling, which is yeah. the comic books we're familiar with, the, the DCs and the Marvels of this world, or it's manga storytelling, uh, which they're strongly influenced by as well. So who is the current market for this type? Is it a very niche market that we have over here? And is it growing? Is it stagnant? Is it, what, what is it right now? Um, I'm going for the um, for the comic odyssey crowd. I'm going for the people who still b- uh, buy Western comics, Marvel, DC, Image. That's what I'm going for because it's not really a business decision. It's more a passion decision. I see. I see. That's always what I've loved. And, you know, I'm just like, hey, this is something like I, what I shared with you. It's something that hasn't been done yet. And, I, and it's a story that I believe in and I just want to I just want to share it. That's why, that's why it's really re- research and de- development. It's more like, okay, I want to see how it goes. I want to see. Uh, my plan is to do a, a big forty-page comic about it, like a pilot. See if it floats. See if people if people like it. And, and then from there, is it like what? What uh, I hope you don't mind me asking. Like Tressa said, you know, after they like it, they find actually a foreign publisher to carry it if it's something that's uh, interesting enough. Just like what they did for theirs and. Uh, it's doing good in terms of print run. It, it's been running out. Uh, yeah, oh my God. Well, Blaze sold out the first edition com- you know, quickly. So yeah, I mean, um, right now I want to, my plan is to do digital first. Uh, I want to set up digital and I want to see how it works. And then if it gets enough traction, then I'll proceed to printing. Maybe I do a local printing. Like, you know, so I'm following a little bit of the, of the Tresser route, which is like, okay, let's see how, how we do in the, in the cons. So it's a very much step by step, and then we'll see how it goes. I see. Now I, I have another question. I say let's, let's look again again at the at the local comic book industry sure. as as a whole. I mean, for those of us who like Western comic books or grew up on on the DCs and Marvels of this world, those are the people who are buying imported comics, right? But you know, there was a there was a very big comic book industry here in the Philippines. I guess in the 60s, 70s, even up to the 80s and 90s of, of, of local material being produced. It produced some of the best. I mean, many of our artists went on to global acclaim. Uh, Alex Nino was there. Uh, Romeo Tanghal were these other people uh, going going abroad. But then what happened to the, what, what's been happening to our local industry uh, for comic books? And what do you think you, you're doing different or what value added do you bring to the industry uh, that you think will make you a bit more sustainable uh, from them? Okay. Um, actually, we did a little bit of like um, prying around recently and we never, fi- we never got an exact, exact, um, an exact answer of why Filipino comics sort of like died out in the, by the 90s. Mm-hmm. What the theory is, is that by the 90s, everyone in the country, every household in the country finally got TVs. And... How can you compete with the TV, which where the entertainment, the teles areas are free, and versus having to pay, you know, for you know for a for a comic in a sari sari store? So that was the theory there. But also, it can be attributed to the fact that maybe there was a bit of a migration of like really good artists to the states, 
because you know that you know I guess that's where the where the money was at, and honestly, that's where you know that that's where the talent goes. So, having said that, in terms of the um, the industry here, especially for the Marvel and DC, although we've seen the last couple of years, a couple of stores shutting down. You know, sadly, Comic Quest closed down back uh, back in was it last year? I think um, so. Yes. Yeah, but uh, and but Philbars is still around. Philbars has still got their. You know, they still have a lot of branches, and they although they have branched out into different into different things other than comics, and Comic Odyssey, you know, old reliable Comic Odyssey still sticks uh, still is still hanging in there. I think there's still that market. I think it's still there. Maybe the challenge would always be that you know there's all these you know video whether it be video games whether it be manga it'll always be there. But right now we're still in it's an it's still a niche market here, and it's still you know I think it's still holding on, especially now because everyone is still at home, staying at you know staying and you know it's a it's still a good escape. You know it's still a good medium to rely on. Yeah. When you look at the Philippines in terms of intellectual property for comic books, I mean they were big. I mean you've, I mean everybody knows who Darna is, and we keep on iterating so many times on the, the, the Darna character, right? In the different incarnations, you have. I mean they, they keep on going back to the same thing. They've got Elastic Man, uh, they've got Zuma, and all these other characters who came originally from comic books. And uh, you know the hope is that you know we have lasting characters. Uh, that are able I, or IP characters that continue to to redound to the benefit of the creators. Hopefully, yeah. um, sometimes that has been the case. More often than not, it hasn't been the case. So, what what do you think was going to be moving forward? How how do we what in your opinion? How are we going to create this next type of you know sustainable long term character? Are, are there any in the horizon that you see happening uh, that appeal? I guess not just to the niche market, but also to a, a bigger market, and you think that will benefit the creators? Right now, what I see are a lot of very exciting stories, but I don't yet see a character um, aside from you know aside from Trese that is that at that level where you can say, oh, that has mark that has merchandising potential. It's not. I don't think it's quite there yet, but. I feel that um, if we just make sure that we're not, um, um, because now Tres has already set, already um, gotten the the folklore aspect. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't do. I don't know if you can do another character that's the same. Um, you can't rely on that. Tres has cornered has cornered that um, you know that genre. So it's more about um, selecting. Uh, you know, we have to look at another aspect of of the Philippines. We have to like find something that you know that can resonate with you know with the global community. That's gotta be there. We you know we like to define ourselves by you know by by who we are, and we just have to figure out not you know something specific, but at the same time come with a great story and great characters. And that's the thing that is gonna um, that's what's, that's gonna put us in the map. Something that resonates with everyone right now, and that's also that's really that's still. Got takes into, uh, into account, you know, national pride. So, what what are you seeing coming up uh, in the pipeline? Not just from me, but from others as well. I mean, for me, uh, one of the people trying to do that for us was actually Will Spartasho. A couple of years ago, he came in and tried to do Stone, which is a combination of taking this 
American comic book sensibilities, trying to bring our characters into uh, you know our mythological characters into the into that realm. No, um, that's one way, and that seems to be the you know it's very interesting because you've got great mythological uh, lo lower mythology characters. But what do you think are the other attempts right now? To what what are you seeing the bright spots on the horizon to bring our local uh, local flavor of comic books to to a more global audience? I think uh, for me, John Amor of Urban Animal from in Webtoons. I think he is really, um, you know, he's doing really well. He's um, he's doing a, you know, he's doing a good job. I mean, the the stories you're telling are like really classic, um, you know, teenage angst set in a supernatural setting. So I feel he's doing a good good job. The other one that we all, of course, and I think what we need to um, pay attention to is peak off of um of comic app uh, because a lot of good material is coming out from there we recently what's peak off can you explain what peak off is oh peak off is the is the philippine international comic um festival uh that was created by paula harris of comic app so mm -hmm. um yeah a lot of, there were a lot of people who gave uh, who pitched uh, their comic book, book concepts there and after that 10 people, 11 people were selected and um, Comicet decided to print their their concepts. I mean, they decided to uh, help them back um, flesh out their, pro uh, their concept and develop them to actual comics. So a lot of stuff has already been released so far. Uh, like um, uh, one is, a couple is, like, I don't know if you've heard of um, Alan, um, Alandal by, um, by uh, Alex Nina. It's going to be his last. Yes, work. yes, yes. I've, I've then, seen the I've seen the ads for that. Yeah, and, Jay, that. and then it's written by Jay Ignacio, so that's going to be um, the artwork there. It's legendary and exactly uh, right. And then yep. there's this one. There's this one called Dooby Doo Wants. Um, it's by um, um, by this group um, Bambi and Olan. Uh, I'm sorry, I can't rem I can't remember their name their surnames right now. I will say sorry to them later. But they're doing um, a story about a bio, uh, sort of like a semi auto uh, semi biography about their kid who's special needs. Mm -hmm. So the art there is beautiful. It's a very heart. It looks like a very heartfelt story. So yeah, there's a lot of like um, um, a lot of stuff there that's coming on the pipeline that's worth looking into. Not so much in terms of like characters, but more in terms of like great stories. Got that, got that. Now, I want to take another step back and look more about your, your own entrepreneurial journey, uh, JV. Uh, this being the, 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 how the podcast goes, no? Uh, before yeah. we venture more into the creative aspect of this one, which is, you know, tell us a bit more about the, what, you know, I often talk about the pain points which made you want to start off uh, in the industry. Okay, tell us a bit more. I mean, I mean, what people would think, I mean, it's not... A, is it a lucrative business? Did he, did he discover a gold mine that I didn't know about when he went into this one? What were you doing at that time? What were you frustrated about, about in, during the time that made you want to enter and, and start becoming your own comic book publisher or a BPO publisher? I've always wanted to write. And um, when I was in corporate, to be quite honest, I really suffered from imposter syndrome. Okay, I never felt like um, wherever I was, whether it was in business development, or marketing. Oh, I felt like a fraud. I didn't. Mm. I, I mean, it was a. They were good jobs, but like, I didn't feel that I was being. I don't know how to put it. Sincere. <laughs> but I felt, you know, but 
where I was, I was in Meralco. It was a very, you know, it was a great job. It was a job for life. Lots of great benefits. But, and I would say, I would always tell myself that, oh, I'll find time. I'll find time to write. But I never did. I never mm-hmm. did find that time. And that's always, that was always what was getting me. That I could never find the time. And when I decided to leave Meralco and said, you know what? Now's the time to do it. I'll allocate time. That was good. But like I said earlier, being a freelance writer, especially no one, not someone that no one knows, it's hard to get a job. I mean, there, you know, let's face it. You know, how do you break in when when C.B. Sabolsky of Marvel was, you know, was here for a convention? Yes, yes. I, I would send I would send him my comics. I would say, hey, check out my comic. All right, I did. I sent him my creator own stuff. And um, and he would like te- and then he would tell me, oh great, I'll check it out. And then and then he would say he and then he would say, oh I'll be in touch. And I just said in my head, wow, he said he said I'll be in touch. But I said, you know what? That's a nice you know that's a nice thought. But I you know who knows how long it'll take. So I decided, you know what? Let's just carry on. And how do I do that? How do I how will I you know how do I get myself? To a place where I'm seeing comics at the same time, getting paid for it, and that's like I said, where Comic Book Lab came from. But the challenge also was like, I need to know. I need to know the craft. It's not enough to have your passion, right? It, passion is nice, but like you said, you, you did workshops. I had to do workshops as well. I had to know. Had to know the craft, and I had to know whether I was really good, whether I could actually pull this off. For me, that was. That was something I just couldn't get away from. When you, you know, and that's what I did. I broke it down in terms of like, um, uh, learn, understanding what the craft was, making sure like what it takes to create a good comic. And it was a good discovery because I realized what I love most about comics is the craft. And it doesn't matter if it's a corporate, if it's corporate or a passion project. Because I'm doing the craft, I'm happy. Well, what a great story. Can I just ask, I'm, I'm curious myself, that because you, you seem to be self-taught more as a writer. I guess that's, that's where you're coming from, right? But you can be a writer, and being a writer does not translate to being a good comic book writer. As we've seen in many comic books, they're good television yeah. writers or novelists, but right. they just don't understand the medium, so it doesn't translate well. Where did you, how did you... How did you capacitate yourself to become a comic book writer? Where did you Where did you look for inspiration? Um, I looked at I, I I looked at a lot of the books, like uh, the one of Scott McCloud. I read a book about like um, comic book writing by Neil Gaiman, Alan, um, Warren Ellis, Peter David, Kurt Busiek. So I really looked at them at the guys who were like really the greats. It's funny, then, Jamie, as you mentioned all those books, I have all those books here in the house as well. So. Yeah. The blue book. I got the yes, I have everything that you were talking about. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and then I also uh, looked at the um, the Sandman uh, annotated book by High Bender, I think his, his name was. So, aside from that, um, I took a class called, uh, I took a course called Comic School Manila. Okay. By, uh, it was being taught by Tintin Pantoja. Um, and she really helped me in terms of like, um, you know, my writing. She really helped me in my writing. But not just that. She taught me in terms of how to pay attention to how to write to artists. Like, 
when you write to an artist, it's always like you're writing a letter. Um, it's ne it's always collaborative. It's always be keeping in mind with the artist's strengths. And then it got to um, lettering, coloring, and then even um, publishing, how to put it all together. So I went through, I got taught the stages of production. And for me, and and for me, that was like made it the, uh, a really holistic experience. As you were going, as you would talk about this one, I think that the like like for myself because you know I, I come from a, you know I have a background of creative nonfiction, and I love to write, but sometimes you know um, it occupies a big part of my brain. That's why I, I can't write as often as I want to before, and and I also love entrepreneurship at the same time. But the things I often find that it's quite a challenge to combine both your creativity and your entrepreneurship skills and use it because sometimes for maybe for some people it complements but sometimes it doesn't you know I may be passionate about it but it doesn't make any money <laughs> or it makes good money but I'm not passionate about it how do you sort of balance that off in, in what you're do, trying to do in comic book club because you you have a you have a you have a bit of both eh, because yeah. if, if it's up to you you go I do all passion projects right yeah as I mentioned earlier, uh, it helps that, that I like the craft. Mm -hmm. um, so it doesn't matter whether it's a corporate or a passion job. But a lot of it, a lot of the work I realize is um, about client management. It's really when you when you talk to certain when you talk to certain clients, um, their perspective is so different because they have something you know they have a certain intent, and sometimes you have to tell yourself. You have to compromise because you have to, like, you know, you have to tell, you know, you realize that's what the client wants. And when that happens, it's always a case of, okay, am I in aligned with what, um, what the client's um, strategies are? That's one. I break it down that way. And then the other is like, or is this just a case of preference? Because mm -hmm. if it's a case of preference, then it's easier to, to, um, to work with because, like, you can always tell the uh, you can always tell client that what you know the art that you're being provided the storytelling you provided is top notch already. You're getting you're getting the quality you're looking for. Right now, what you're pointing at is just preference, and don't never mistake that if we tell you that this is good, that we're not uh, we're not um, that it's a lower standard. It's not a lower standard at all. It's really you know we are always keeping your best interests in mind. So it's a matter of um, balancing that, you know, what is the, you know, is it good storytelling? Is it al aligned with what the client wants? So that's always the, the challenge there. And it's a, it's a good, it's a good problem to have um, because you're always trying to marry your, um, your creative side with, uh, with having good business sense, I guess, making sure that you're getting the client's communication, um, corporate or communication values across. They say the bigger, the better. And I agree with that. In business, it's either you go wider or you scale up. And for you to reach that extra mile, you must also be constantly on the right place, right time, and right track. It's a good thing o Banana Corp is interested in finding new ways and new merchant partners to help build business opportunities for small to large-scale businesses. With their key feature benefits, you can tell how equipped and centralized O Banana Corp is. 
from helping you attract new potential customers nationwide to providing you with merchant perks like free shipping, o banana vouchers, discounts, and more. This is a complete package that you and your business will need to go wider or scale up. Hurry up and sign up now to be one of Obanana's merchant partners. All you need to do is head on over to their website and click Start Selling Now. Input both your personal and business details, submit requirements, upload your products, and you are good to go. Go wider and scale up with Obanana Corp. Sign up now. So at least nagagamit mo yung corporate skills mo dito sa sa, sa yeah. comic, book, comic client management I guess no Yeah because I, I I because when I was in um, when I was in corporate I did a lot of like you know we did a bit of analysis we were always talking about like okay if we, what's the financial if we make this financial decision to push for this project then we had to do this this is how much gonna it's going to cost it was very analytical it was very much um very logical in in a sense because you're always breaking down you know all the all these different steps and each step always means uh it equates to a cost and that's usually the other thing i say by the way it's like okay if a client isn't happy with a particular type of work they're like ah okay well we did agree you are okay with it but i hope you understand if we do this the artist has to redo it all over again so that means revisions and that means Sorry to say, that means an extra charge. Okay. So everything always you always take it break it down to just both the aesthetic and what the costs are. So it's really uh, it's like an agency model, really. When you when you look at it, yeah, it's like almost like an art agency or advertising agency uh, a model over here. Now, um, JV, can I just ask? I mean, this is a cha- I mean, it's it really began from a passion of yours, which you developed into sort of a, a BPO business model. Can I just ask, like, for any entrepreneur along the way? There are good times and there are low times. What was that low time for you when you were doing Coin Book Club? Where you go, I can't believe I quit my job in Meralco to do this. Was there a time that, that happened to you like this one? Well, I guess it almost got to that point, but I was like so excited about what I was doing. It really dawned on me when when I was like I printed out um, the first thousand copies of uh, of Mythopolis, one of the comics that we first um, mm-hmm. uh, did, and then. We launched it in Comicet, and that first day we sold like we sold like uh, that first event we sold like forty five copies, and I was like, oh, that's a good start. And then when we went to then we went to Comic Con, then we sold twenty five copies, and and there was like a law of diminishing returns heading, you know, going to that point. And mm-hmm. I was like, all my all my you know at the time I was like all my dreams of like you know. You know, suddenly we're you know um, merchandising and you know being able to like pay for the next you know, create the next issue. I was like, oh, we basically. I was like, okay, what do we do? We're not you know we're not getting the necessary returns to sustain the comic, mm-hmm. and um, that's when I realized I can't just do it on uh, do uh, these projects on a you know for individuals. I need to scale it up a bit more and that's why i decided to uh, i decided to make it um that's why i decided to do corporate a big help i feel was that i joined this organization called bni 
business uh, network, yes. business network international, right? Mm-hmm. And that helped a lot because from there, I got I got a lot of quality referrals. It, I mean, it took me a, a little bit of a while. I mean, it took me maybe a little bit like a year before I actually got you know some really good um, referrals. But that's when things started rolling again. But yes, to answer your question, the lowest point for me was that when the sales of my comics were not that good we're going we're we're diminishing you know just a question were you bootstrapping at the start meaning that that's all coming out of your own pocket paying for the publishing paying for these things when you were starting off well my client was the one um was the one footing the bill basically for for everything basically for even for the original ones which were your concept your own concepts even because they were like concepts that i shared with them in the first place so they put, they were footing the bill. I was like basically sweat capital. Ah, uh, I see. You were sweat, yeah. you, and you were you were like creative capital as well, I guess. No? Yes, creative capital as well. But that for me, it was like you know what the truth is is that getting it out there, you know, is a success in itself. Getting that creating those comics, it's an it's a success in itself. But um, yeah, but the, it it did take a while. It was just a matter of pivoting. I feel it, it was important to pivot. And going to BNI was a huge help for me. Another good, another great high point was that when we created this comic called Stay, this um, graphic anthology called Stay, mm-hmm. my my client here was um, was Sarge Laquesta. Oh, and well, that's excellent, yes. excellent writing, uh, excellent uh, writing mentor and, and writer yeah. as well. Yeah, and then you notice it's uh, the artist by Cacho Baldissimo. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. And um, he approached me and he said, like, you know, because he, he saw some of the comics we did. Actually, we did a comic before that uh, for the Israeli, uh, for the Israeli embassy. Um, it's called Open Doors, Open Hearts. It's, um, it was a biog- it was um, a story about, like, how, uh, man- um, how President Kasson saved 1,400 Jews during World War, mm-hmm. World War II. So he was very happy with the collaboration. So he approached me months later and he said, like, hey, I have all these stories for... And I want to make them into comics. How do you want to go about it? And because no one knows me in the comic book world, so my suggestion to him is like, I think we got to approach really um, A-list name character um, creators like Cancho Baldissimo, Roy Allen Martinez, Jim Jimenez. Those are the guys we need to get to because they have a following. So, so we. Talk- Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Targeted um, the Comic Con for launch in November of 2018. We only had five months. We had to gather seven. We gathered 17 artists. I don't know how we did it, but we launched in that time. So, yeah. So that was a that opened a lot of doors for me because I got to meet a lot of artists, a lot of creators. Um, helped me get um, get um, know uh, budget uh, budget tan a bit more. So yeah, I mean, I'm so thankful for for budget for you know for helping me and for you know 
for all the collaborators in these projects because since then I've been able to like approach um, most of these guys and give them more projects as well. Wow, fantastic. And having said that, that there's the low point, when was the high point for you for Coin Book Club where you say, hey, this is actually going to work. This is actually going to pay for my bills. This is going to fly. <laughs> when, was, when was that point for you, JV? I'm now working on a big project uh, from uh, from this guy. He he just like he found he read about me in Esquire Philippines, and he told me, "Hey, I've got this project." Um, um, you know, and he told me, "You know, I I need a really good Filipino artist, and it's basically vampires in in feudal in feudal Japan, and I want to make it a comic, and I want it to become an IP that we we're going to um, make into a, into video games, into movies." And I asked, and then he asked me, how much is it all going to cost? And I just said, okay. And I calculated, I did numbers and I just gave it to him. I gave my proposal and he said, okay, well, all right, I'll see what I can do. And I said, okay, that's probably the last time I'm going to hear this guy. Three months later, he came back and he told me, yes, I can do this. I can, I can fund this because he got, you know, he got the funding for it. So that was a high point because it was like already getting to this point that, oh, people are hearing about me. So that was good. Um, hearing about the business, which was great. Which is, and, and the way that the way, the way looking the, the way that I'm listening to you here right now is also that it's it's really an agency model. If you if you think about it, your job is really to literally like a publisher, okay, good concept, I can produce it for you. Here's the writer, artist and everything else and then we can package it this way this is how much it costs right that, that's yeah. basically how the model works now right yeah yeah so you're you're the you're the go-to guy for people who've got these great concepts which they think are ipable and and, and they go to you basically to to produce that concept or, or to bring it to fruition and you sort of bring in your your creative uh, faculties and critical faculties to make it something that is, I guess, commercially viable because you understand this one, given your yeah. the Western comic book sensibilities uh, that you have. Yeah. yeah. We've already been approached by companies to do their, um, to do their, uh, to do their mascots. So that's been, ha that's been happening already. And it's really, you know, uh, it's always just a combination of what looks good and what is like in line with their corporate values. So, I think for me, that's the discipline here. That's what I bring. That's what's unique. The balance of both the creative side and the corporate side. And having said that, what are the opportunities that you see emerging right now in, in our, not just the comic book publishing industry, but in that sort of like ecosystem that they have for, for publishing or for, for comic books? What do you see emerging as that, that Filipino entrepreneurs can still take advantage of? Are there certain... From a creative standpoint, what are the opportunities? Are there specific genres which are good? And from, uh, I guess, from a commercial uh, perspective, what are the different commercial opportunities still available? Well, for sure, there's going to be people wanting to be the next dresser. No matter what, someone's going to want to do another folklore, you know, you know, another Filipino folklore horror adventure because they want to, because one, they probably, they love dresser, but another, they're inspired. But, I think there's still, you know, there's going to be, there's always going to be inspiration because of like the Marvel movies, the DC movies. I mean, it's there. Um, there's a reason why these things are so appealing. Um, so I think superheroes are still going to be a big thing, but I do feel that comedy 
is something that you know, is worth tapping. We've seen, you know, we've seen Manix Abrera, you know, with his work. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking about satire, we're talking about comedy. I think that's still, you know, that's something that's we gotta tap. But of course, humor, you know, comedy is challenging, you know. And of course, uh, I think, and I think slice of life is a big thing, especially if you look at like a lot of web, uh, webtoons, slice of life, or and even pen lab. Slice of life is still, you know, one of those big things that people like. You know, I think that's for when you when people look at those things, it's about um, the the ideal um, people, you know, and it's because of because of how, what things how things are. We need that escape. But you know things like like little dramas that still mm-hmm. appeals as well because there's a sense of calm and ser- serenity when you read those kind of books. Got that, especially not during the pandemic. Did you have to make any pivots with regard to your business or your changes to the to that industry of yours? Because obviously it's hard to get coin books into people's hands right now because of the pandemic, no? So what what kind of changes did you have to do uh, to your to your business and to your business model as a result of the pandemic? Um, mostly it, we've switched more to a digital, um, uh, the digital comics. A lot mm-hmm. of our clients look for digital stuff or they prefer that, okay, let's do digital first. Um, luckily enough, um, because we are, the team works all from home, everything, you know, and we all do digital. It's very easy to do when actually after, after, um, once the lockdown happened, when the, when the pandemic struck, Mm-hmm. Um, we got more business. Wow. The business, you know, our projects increased. We also, what, what we also did was um, we, we also did different things as well. What we did was um, we went to the animation. Um, so we do a lot of like, um, we create a lot of um, illustrations for animated videos. We've even conceptualized and scripted um, animated videos as well. For WHO, we've um, we've done illustrations, purely illustrations, like um, almost almost like infographics, and that you know that um, encompass the type of uh, messages they're trying to communicate. So that's how we've pivoted. We also do social media. From mm-hmm. time to time, we actually do you know we've done social media projects, not even co- uh, not even comic book related, but uh, we've done some of those in the past as well. Very, inter- very interesting. Uh, what, what, where you guys have been moving into uh, in this regard, and how, how it's it's also evolving at the same time. Now, JV, uh, this is a great opportunity for me to actually, you know, uh, I want to see. Can you just show us for those who aren't too familiar with your projects, especially the passion projects? Can you sure. share some some of them with us right now? And where can we sure. buy them also? If we're interested, where can we buy uh, your comic books? Okay, so stay. Um, by Sarge Laquesta. You can get this in uh, bars and uh, we also sell them in Comic Odyssey. Uh, and I think we're planning to sell it in um, with the, um, this place called Secret HQ. It's the comic book store for, for Comic App. So with Stay, um, it's really a lot of the stories um, are different. It's like um, there's a lot of slice of life, but there's some, ho- there's some horror, there's some adventure, there's some uh, comedy. So yeah, and when we, you know, we have, um, you know, a whole uh, a murderous row of artists. You know, wow. we have guys like Roy Allen Martinez, Caja Baldissimo, John Amor, um, Ara Villena, Chuck Natsan. So these guys are usually see around the um, comic book circuit, comic con circuit. Um, Great. Uh, here's some other stuff. Um, some early stuff, uh, earlier stuff. This is War of Whispers. This is. Uh, 
co-created by me and Andre Palma and illustrated by uh, Jim Jimenez, mm-hmm. um, you know, a longtime vet. Uh, and he's my, my consistent um, uh, co-creator. And uh, there, and so what's War it about Whispers? basically? What's the, what's the story basically for Whispers? Oh, okay, it's set in World War II Manila, and a young boy uh, goes on a journey to deliver this a message to the to the Americans in Leyte. But along the way, he encounters this duende and all these various monsters from both Filipino and Japanese folklore. The thing is, he's so traumatized by what he's seen in the war, he doesn't know whether it's real or not. Ah. Interesting, yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Then we have um, we have Mythopolis, which is co-created by um, by Marco Manyala and also illustrated by Jim Jimenez. This one is set in a city filled with all sorts of mytho- uh, mythological characters from different myths from different countries. So imagine a place where Asgardians and Chinese, Greek mythology, they all intersect in this one city. So it's about these two people who meet. They're star-crossed lovers, but the city keeps on tearing them apart. Yeah. Literally, I guess, no? Literally, literally, literally. So, yeah. Oh, so, we've sold, uh, this is also, the War of Whispers and Mythopolis are all available in um, Pillbars, Comic Odyssey, Secret HQ. Wow, great. And what's next for your pro- for your intellectual properties? Are they, are they any stories about them? Are they going anywhere else? War of Whispers, is anything happening Anything happening to that one or Mythopolis or uh, the other stories you've been involved with? Yeah, um, we're going to do another. We're going to do War of Whispers 4. Actually, War of Whispers is um, a six-issue miniseries. And um, we're working on issue number four already. Uh, Jim Jimenez is halfway done. Uh, but my plan is to finish the series already. Finish it. Um, it's like I said, I'm going to probably be using my... Uh, I'll be using... Pro- you know, at, as my R and D uh, budget to get it finished already. Um, Mythopolis, I have I have ideas already. Um, I have story ideas. I just have to find the time to write. And then I want to uh, also work on like the one I showed you. Um, I am Wildcard. Um, oh, and of course, my God, how can I forget? Um, I mentioned to you Peacock right earlier. Yeah. Um, I I actually have an entry in Peacock. I have an entry in, in Peacock. It's called um, Can I get Can I get it? Um, it's called Third World Power. We're gonna be releasing that before the elections. Oh wow! Yeah. Uh, let me just quickly. Find and basically, a, it's about what? Okay, it's called Third World Power, and it's about this young boy, uh, a street kid, but he go he he experiences um he go he experiences a, a, a EJK. And somehow it triggers his, his powers. Lack, his powers, and his powers are converting emotions into fire. Okay, it becomes this thing, and because it's um, he converts rage into um, into this fire that he can manipulate. So he's like in this in this setting, he's the only one. He's the very first super being in a third world country. Interesting. So, yeah. So he sets about trying to like um, deal with a lot of like um, yeah, social political issues, but he's only a young kid, so he's kind of in over his head. Wow, really interesting stories you have coming up for yourself over here, uh, JV. JV, again, thanks so much for guesting here on the show. 
Um, you know, I, I like that you were able to come here because it gives us a different flavor, really. Uh, you know, people discuss, you know, they, they do a lot of different projects, but this one is really something that you are passionate about and something that, that for me, really steers up the creative juices. And hopefully more people also go pursue the same path that you're doing and find bliss in it, but more importantly, find something that also is sustainable here at the same time. Any last word for, any, for the passionate uh, entrepreneurs out there, the passionate entrepreneurs out there, JB? Um, I think when you do something like this, it's a leap of faith. But any leap of faith is supported by, you know, by having a plan, by, you know, making sure that, you know, that you have faith in yourself and you know that, you know, and, a go- and, and, and having a great network, having people that will support you uh, because you're only as good as the people around you. Um, you know, it, you know, you have to, there's a lot of sur- surrendering your own ego to this and that's important. Believing in yourself but making knowing that you know you need people's help and just having that plan and i think if you have all of those and if you do, on your checklist i think you'll be fine you'll do well nice. you'll go far thanks so much jv tanwatko of coin book club and good luck to third world power and again thank you so much for joining me in the rg ladessa podcast we will see you guys in our podcast next tuesday again thanks so much have a great night ahead thanks guys The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.